invite my guest, please, to join me. At, uh, excuse me, no, please, it's totally free with me, always. Free seating. Um, <laughs> it's a real pleasure. Hello, good afternoon. Uh, it's a, it's a real pleasure to uh, to host this uh, this panel because uh, it uh, it addresses uh, a topic that I've been extremely involved with and grappled with and struggled with for for many years, but I also enjoyed a lot. Uh, it is uh, so. Before I actually begin. Uh, talking about it. I think uh, I'm very happy to, uh, shall we do Lloyd's first or men first? And uh, I don't know. I think I'm very happy to have uh, Tumelo Mosaka with us. Tumelo is a, is a, is a dear colleague and uh, uh, a curator, uh, a researcher. He's uh, an independent curator and uh, he has explored uh, his project has explored global and transnational artistic, artistic production, of course, especially from Africa, the Caribbean, and uh, North America, examining things such as racial in injustice, migration, and identity. But currently, uh, and why Tumelo is also invited to this panel is that Tumelo is the creator of the Cape Town Art Fair, and uh, within that uh, organization and within that event that he has helped boost considerably over one year, actually. It's been a year now, right? You've done one year. Uh, he also runs an extensive conversation program. So uh, very happy to, to have Tumelo. Next to Tumelo, uh, welcome uh, Aden Rele Sonarivo, who is the founder of Terele Art Gallery uh, and an award, is an award-winning gallerist and curator. She has curated and managed several commercially and critically successful high-profile art exhibitions within Nigeria and United States and Italy. And these exhibitions have challenged the boundaries of art by engaging innovative subjects and techniques. She led the movement to break art out of the ivory tower with the Rele Art Gallery exploring and partnering with technology, health, and social sec sectors. She most recently curated the first ever Nigeria Pavilion at the most important art exhibition in the world, which is the Venice Biennial, which opened in May 2017. Uh, and, uh, and I think I would be happy to hear really the the future about, about that pavilion because it's very interesting, it's very intriguing. Last but not least at all, I think it is a, a particular pleasure for me to, uh, to have Andras uh, Santo here with us. Andras is a New York-based author and cultural strategy consultant to leading museums, foundations, and companies worldwide. And he's the author and editor of numerous books and research uh, studies. His writings have appeared in the New York Times, in the Los Angeles Times, Art Forum, Art Newspaper, and so on. And Andres is also the former director of the National Arts Journalism Program at Columbia University. 
And uh, he has been a visiting critic at the American Academy in Rome, a visiting senior fellow at the Center for Arts and Culture in Washington, DC, and a research affiliate of the Center for Arts and Cultural Policies at Princeton University. And since 2014, Andras has overseen the Global Museum Leaders Colloquium at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And uh, what is not written in this little bio <laughs> is also that for many, many years, Andras has been the head and thinker and designer of the Art Basel Conversations. And that's actually, actually the impetus of his invitation <laughs> here. So um, I started saying that um, it's, uh, I've been working on this, uh, on this topic since, uh, since many years. And uh, many of us, I think, I mean, at least the four of us here on this panel have uh, an extensive experience in developing and thinking through educational programs. And uh, as I am uh, leaving the fair, uh, and uh, to develop more time uh, with uh, Raw Material Company and our education program, it became somehow uh, interesting. I found it interesting to discuss how these conversations, what are they really? Uh, are they, what do they, what kind of role do they play in the forging of uh, artistic knowledge, in the forging of critique, in the forging of uh, dissemination and the circulation of uh, knowledge around, I mean, coming out of artistic practice. And uh, I think maybe just to begin with, to, to sort of uh, uh, try to understand how you guys do it. It's the easiest way. So maybe I will start with you, Tumelo. Uh, now that you've taken up uh, Cape Town Art Fair, uh, just within one year, one has seen the tremendous uh, development and change that you brought into, into the event. And uh, knowing you also, uh, we are both very much interested in, uh, in discourse, in theory, in uh, you know, analysis. And uh, how does this, how do you, Actually, what I would like you to, to share with us is uh, how do you go about it when you develop the education program for, for Cape Town Art Fair, or by and large, right. any other? Yeah. I mean, I think what's most important, at least from, for me, is to understand my context that I'm working with and you know, what, are the, what is the infrastructure in place to support the arts? Um, what are the... Um, you know, who are the, the players in the art world, and also what are the opportunities for artists. And so in understanding that context, I'm able to start to think about, you know, what is the kind of impact can I, what, what kind of impact can I have in this landscape? You know, where are the opportunities? And or, or where are the places where I can create a sense of opportunity or, or um, create a platform for some kind of uh, engagement. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, coming out of, you know, in most of my curatorial practice, I'm always interested in thinking about, you know, how can we make art more accessible? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I work a lot with artists who are, I would say, um, emerging. Um, 
And so for me, it's always important to understand where I place these artists, you know, where my exhibitions take place, how these artists are written about, how these artists are positioned within a much broader national and international platform. And so when I'm thinking and working within the context of an art fair, um, I mean, I think this is very different from when you're working within a museum context, because I think the function of an art fair is primarily a marketplace. And so you have to understand the dynamics of you know, how the marketplace you know, impacts and also is, is to some extent co-ops the cultural, uh, the cultural um, synergies that are taking place within a particular context. And so I think for me, obviously, looking and understanding Cape Town for what it is, um, you know, coming from South Africa, and trying to imagine, you know, how can, you know, not only Cape Town, but South Africa, um, uh, how can conversations about art making, conversations about um, not only art making, but uh, the consumption of art, happen beyond just you know, the level of the marketplace. And so that begins to inform the kind of programming that I would begin to, to, to put in place. You know, and also how to, to think about the individuals I would want to invite to become part of a conversation that not, not only sometimes, because I think you have to then you know, somehow respond to the market, but also at the same time try to uh, develop a program that extends beyond just the marketplace. Because I think for me, the art fair is really, is really more, is more of a vehicle that has multiple functions. The marketplace is one, but I, I feel it's also a place where um, there's a lot of um, cultural exchange that takes place. There's also a lot of networking that happens. And so I try to maximize that, that aspect of it. You know, how can I bring... Uh, <coughs> Uh, this level of intellectual capacity to a place that um, you know is thirsty for it. People want to hear what uh, not only people from outside, but what other people who are in the country that have not had the platform to express themselves. So how can I, you know, leverage this platform that is both you know a very high-profile platform, but bringing these very disparate voices and these very known voices together in a platform to discuss and to disagree. And so I think that's one level. But I, I think on another level, I think when you think about these conversations, they actually begin, for me, in terms of like, what is the end? What are you trying to achieve? What is your aim? Mm -hmm. You know, what is our goal? And obviously, we have many goals because there's so many different publics. And so I think as a, as a curator, at least for me, I, I try to to just understand, um, to understand a few areas of, um, a few publics that I would like to engage. Because I understand that I would not be able to reach everybody, and not everybody's going to be happy with the ultimate result of what I produce. But at least, if I have an idea of who my audience is, then I'm able to begin to um, you know, cultivate a program that might respond to that audience. Also having in mind that there's other audiences that might not be interested in what I'm doing. So I think for me, it's always been about trying to, um, you know, to think about conversation as something that begins with marketing, actually. Once you know what you want, then you have to then put the message out. What is, what is the marketing strategies that you have in place 
to bring the audiences you want into the space. And then not only that, then you have to then, it, it, then it becomes also you have to somehow figure out how to affect the institutional um, apparatus. Because again, you know, like we all know, it's expensive to come to these events. So how do we make it more accessible? Uh, so that needs to be rethought. And then, and then obviously then it's the, the platform itself. Um, you know, what kind of topics are being discussed and, uh, and how they relate both to the, the actual event but also how they reverberate outside locally and internationally. That's very interesting. I mean, you've given a few uh, hints here that I would really would like to come back to later. But I would really, I would like to hear from you, Adenrele. I mean, you, you run this uh, gallery that, unfortunately, I haven't, I haven't visited yet in uh, in uh, in Lagos. And uh, you, you, you started this amazing, amazing initiative of, uh, of. Uh, launching uh, a Nigerian pavilion, which is actually somehow also a private public initiative, so to speak, and uh, um, within which you, uh, you, you develop and unfold, you're still unfolding an amazing kind of uh, 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 educational program alongside the exhibition. Uh, would you like to share your experience of, uh, of that? Yes. Um... Well, thank you for inviting me to be a part of the panel. I think that, um, as just to piggyback off what Tumela said, I think that it's really about understanding um, the environment mm -hmm. in which I'm, I'm sort of practicing and working in. And so when I started the gallery about three, four years ago, um, our mission really was to make arts more accessible. We wanted to broaden the audience for arts in Nigeria. And so, it was looking at ways in which we can bring more people in to appreciate and maybe eventually start collecting. And so we have that mission, okay, we want to make it more accessible, we want to broaden it, but we want to do it both locally and internationally. And locally for us was you know, having the exhibitions and the artist talks and finding ways to communicate with the public. And so if we were doing it in a way that was being done internationally, it would be of a disservice to our audience because it was, we're looking at young people working that were really interested in finding out about the arts, about the artists, what are they producing. And so we had to tailor it to sort of, we had to simplify it you know, in a lot of ways, even in terms of press and um, just trying to find ways in which our audience could connect. Beyond that, we realized early on that we had to leverage a lot of um, other industries. And so we partnered with like, technology sector, fashion, music, just to find ways to just keep, um, to make the art sort of accessible to the younger audiences that we were getting. And so with that, we, we keep um, developing sort of the talks, you know, coming and co have a discussion with the artists. But then we do realize that there's some people that would still form their opinion, both critically and artistically, without the conversations, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the conversations are important, they are necessary, but they're, you know, it's not, it's not for everyone. People are still going to take it how they, they wish to take it. Now, um, internationally, it was a bit different because we, um, again, with, locally, we had to simplify things. We had to understand our audience and play to that advantage. Um, but we also knew that internationally, like, we're going to, we're taking Nigeria to um, Venice for the very first time, you know, alongside some other really great countries. And so, um, of course, there are different 
people involved in making sure that we had the right messaging, that we had the right statements. We were saying it um, the way we were sort of, I don't want to say compete, but we were sort of like up to par with um, the other countries. And so it was, it was very different. And just to, you know, go off what he said, it's just really understanding the context in which you're playing in and then sort of making sure that the messages and the communication and the strategy is, is impactful to the audience in which you want to um, convey it to. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting that you say that locally you had to simplify the, uh, the tone or the, the voice that you were putting out. Uh, I'll get back to it. Andras, I know that, I mean, I've learned so much. One of, um, and I'm not saying this to be, to send you flowers, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I've learned a lot about uh, and I call it design, designing conversation programs from uh, looking at what Andras was doing for Art Basel for many years over the net before mm. I even met you. So <laughs> just that you know. And uh, I have a great admiration for him and I have a great admiration for him as a moderator. So it's a kind of, I'm um, mm. in, uh, in a big awe to be moderating mm. him. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, it's much easier for me. <laughs> I know. So I know that you've done this X time. Yeah. And I've, I was always uh, impressed with, uh, uh, of, uh, with the ease that it always seemed that you do it and that you organize it. And it's really an opportunity for me to, uh, to get to hear from you in a publicly. How did you do it all these years and how do you continue to do it? And what is, is there any secret kind of formula of, uh, you well, know? I mean, you know, it's, uh, how, how, you, know, you, know the, you know, the joke about New York taxi cabs, you know, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you know, first time I did it, I was scared. I'm, I'm less scared now. Uh, I think some of the ease is a little bit uh, artificial. Uh, humor always helps, um, as just demonstrated. And uh, um, actually, if you, you, you may be the only person in the world who's watched multiple times, but they all follow, in my mind, a very similar structure. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, and I don't think I should take credit for the organization, there's always a whole team behind this. I sort of show up, but uh, uh, just to answer your question before I pivot maybe to some other points, uh, you know, a lot of it is just having the outreach and the conversation beforehand mm -hmm. and understanding that you're putting on a play, a kind of improvised theater. And then the one instruction I always give to every single panel is that it should feel like we're having a conversation in a cafe and the audience gets to sort of listen or participate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really the hardest part is just putting people at ease because I think that in any conversation, if people are hung up and tight, then the ideas will never really come out. Mm -hmm. um, so so, so that I always do a fair amount of setup. And, you know, oftentimes the people know each other. But I think the role, your role, as, and you play it very well, you have to put your, you have to put your speakers uh, at ease. Um, but, but just to, so as I said, just to pivot a little bit out, I think going back to your larger point, first of all, congratulations for arguably creating the most meta 
panel in the history of panel discussions. Right? <laughs> it's a sort of panel about panels. Like somebody had to do it. But uh, um, so you know, this is probably the one panel theme nobody's done yet because right now, and I say that for a reason. Um, you know, I think the big fear with all this is that there have been so many panels mm -hmm. that the the form is ossifying, and and there's a kind of tyranny of form that we all now have to escape. And everybody understands the rituals, the audience comes in, the speakers come up, hopefully they won't speak too long, maybe there'll be time for them to talk to each other, then there'll be questions, you know. And it becomes um, an ossified thing. The sociologist Georg Zimmel has a wonderful term called the tragedy of culture, mm -hmm. which means that we set up certain forms and then eventually those forms devour that which they're supposed to serve. So the, the panel was a kind of neat idea to pull people together, but after a while, it's the panel, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, um, I think that uh, ultimately uh, the goal is to sort of try and break out. And, and I think the single hardest uh, thing to achieve, and I completely agree with your points, obviously you have to play to a local audience or whatever your perceived audience is, but the hardest thing to achieve is honesty. Because people in the art world are extremely thin-skinned. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about our world that makes us so nervous. <laughs> we deal with art. It's not like we're arms dealers or you know, politicians. Nobody elects us, sadly. Maybe that would be interesting. Um, um, but the level of nervousness, you put three curators on a stage, you know, getting them to talk is like cracking open a nut or something. So, so um, I think getting people to speak openly um, without hesitation, and we can have an interesting dialogue about why it is that uh, in our world people are so uh, careful about putting forward clear positions. Mm. But I think that's the biggest challenge, getting people to speak in a deep way. I, I, for me, for instance, when I started doing, uh, I mean, I've been doing uh, educational and talks and seminars and symposia since uh, since ever. But uh, uh, when I accepted to to be the curator of forum of uh, for one fifty four, for me it was something rather special, especially in the sense that. Uh, it was not just another event, it was not just another initiative, it was for, for us a, a, a very, um, it was a kind of a political engagement also, something that sort of went beyond the presentation of art. So uh, it became very uh, obvious for me that the conversations that would happen here cannot be just all another art fair conversations, you know. So, and uh, uh, in uh, each year in thinking about the, 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 the conversations here and the, and the presentations here, um, I, I really like what that you hint at the, the form in itself because I think that sometimes there is one form and we all try to you know, expand it and, and go beyond it. But at the same time also, I mean, a trouser can only have two legs at the end of the day, you know? So uh, uh, that difficulty uh, at some point in, uh, in, in becoming, or no, not in becoming, in being creative and interesting on the one hand, but on the other hand, having the, 
very clear limitations of the format itself. So, but what I wanted to say is also is also that uh, to me you 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 referred a lot about knowing your audience, and uh, at the end, really, you said something very important, kind of simplifying the the language, and uh, I I I think that. It's, I will be interested for for me here it was very important to to uh, to know that it is the content that is that is that is important not necessarily the logistics about the content nor the format around the content it is what is being discussed and what is being talked uh, uh, talked about who's saying it when and with whom so I would be really interested. Maybe you would like to take that up, Adenrele. Where you? Why was it, for instance, necessary in uh, Lagos to simplify the language, while as soon as you go abroad, so to speak, you complexify it somehow? <laughs> um, it's interesting because, as I said, we our, our space caters to a very young audience, so. Mm. These are people that do not particularly know about art. They don't know about the artists that are working in the contemporary art space. Um, they really don't know anything. And so we built this gallery and we've sort of, we're marketing, we have strategies to bring in people. And we just realized very early on that they needed to be educated. And you couldn't educate them in without simplifying things, without breaking down things, without um, having them Sort of come in and talk to the to the to the artist, or have um, not just not even like a public panel type conversations, but just very casual, like come in um, during the week and have a conversation with the artist type of thing. And that way, we've sort of seen the audience grow um, a bit more. We right now when we have exhibitions and and stuff like. We usually have to like have maybe two different openings because we don't. This, the crowd is just too much. They're curious. They're interested. They want to um, know that. So there's there's a real sort of like there's a new vibe, so to say, in the Lagos art scene. And you're seeing more arts initiatives springing up that way. Um, there's the Lagos Biennial coming up. There's also the um, the Art X Lagos that is also coming up in November, um, making it easy for them to understand what they're coming to see and what they're coming to experience was really. Um, crucial, I think, if you want to make any impact, if you want to be relevant. Otherwise, you're just going to have the same people um, coming into the space, and it just remains very small and close-knitted, but we wanted to make it um, very accessible. Um, internationally, it was just about playing to, 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 to what the international market would want, right? And so it was also what the, what the press was saying, what Art Review was saying, what Artsy was saying. Um, it was a bit complex. Um, I, I think that how the press sort of, how they write about art is very different from our environment. Mm -hmm. And people that are in our environment don't understand it. They're like, it's too intellectual. It's too, I don't understand what, mm -hmm. what this person is saying. Uh, but we couldn't really control that. You know, we couldn't control what the international press was saying. We just had, we had our curatorial statement. We knew what we wanted to, um, what message we wanted to put across. And it was left for them to sort of, um, to go with it, but it was very intellectual. And so people in local environment didn't get it. They still don't get it as much, you know. A lot of them don't get it. They're like, what is Venice? What is that? You know, so we had to simplify that for them. Mm. Uh, just to, to, to 
bring it towards you uh, to me is that I will, because you insisted so much on knowing the audience and knowing your context, <laughs> I would be, I would be, I'm intrigued and I would like to, to, to ask you if when, when, when conceptualizing the talks and the conversations within the fair, uh, do you think through what your environment would like to hear, see, or needs to hear and see, or rather what you think that should be said and presented? You know, I think as a curator, that's the dilemma you always have, and you have to make a decision which way you want to go. Mm. And I think for me, um, at least in this last uh, iteration of the art fair, was really more about me trying to say, this is what you need to hear. Mm -hmm. And so that already gives me a, direct, a directive in terms of thinking about the people who I'd want to be on, the, the, the content providers, who are those individuals. And again, I think for me it also is a, it's about where those conversations happen. Obviously, I'm restricted in terms of the capacity I have and the possibility of working within the structure of the art fair. But again, for me, the idea of conversation is not only about this form. I think conversations can happen in many different ways. Mm -hmm. And people engage in conversations differently. Some people get bored and tired sitting in the audience like this, but they become more interested in engaging something that is happening outside somewhere that mm -hmm. doesn't require a chair and a podium. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for me, is, is try, and as I'm conceptualizing it, but I'm thinking about how else to translate this message beyond this traditional form that we all understand mm -hmm. that doesn't appeal and is not accessible to everybody. Can I just jump in? You know, also, just to avoid the cardinal first rule of dreadful panels where everything goes through the moderator, so I just want to <laughs> make sure we break that. Once a moderator, <laughs> always a moderator. This is the takeover. <laughs> but this, I'm not trying to take it, but I mean, I think what you're speaking to is, uh, because I always hope, like, will they start talking to each other? Exactly. So That's here right. we are, just talking to each other. Um, uh, it's a meta panel, right? So, uh, no, no, but, but I think what you're speaking to is very interesting is the sort of evolution of the art fair anyway. It's an expectation. Right. That the art, you know, art fair 1.0 is it's, an, it's a transactional commercial platform. Art for 2.0, particularly, uh, hopefully I'm not overgeneralizing, but particularly in a place like where you're operating, is it's a platform for it's standing in for a wider art world. It's a it's a it's a it's a marketplace of ideas, and you know I think we all have to recognize how young this form of the art fair is. It's already old. It feels already sort of ancient. For most people in this room, uh, it, it seems like it's been around forever. We all know it hasn't. And I think that, um, in general, in the art world, we have uh, a sort of a problem, which is we've evolved the commercial infrastructure of the art world beyond anything we could have anticipated mm -hmm. 20, 30 years ago. Thousands of galleries, lots of artists, lots of. We have this metastasized art world, but we have not evolved the discourse infrastructure to go along with it. And so it is indeed one of the responsibilities of the art fair to, to provide for some of that and, and the gallery. Um, and you can have a very interesting conversation for uh, why the traditional formats of criticism and arts journalism have 
declined, but the, the sad fact is that if we don't do it by other means, then it's not happening. Mm. Um, I was wondering, though, with your young people, are they interested in one-on-one -on -one communication, or are they actually having it all online instead? <laughs> they are actually interested in coming in and saying, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. not just online. I mean, online is great, too, because I think you, get, you tend to reach not just people in the local community, reaching out to people as far as, as who knows. Um, so I think um, online is great, but we have a good amount of people that come into the gallery. Mm -hmm. um, not just even um, thinking about like Artex, for instance, the art fair last year, you know, they had a good amount of young people um, that came over like a two, three day period. So which is something that had never really happened in Lagos before. So we're seeing that sort of simplification of art working really well. I've always sort of understood or expected uh, conversation and artist talks and panels as being a kind of performed criticality, so to speak, you know, kind of performed uh, uh, analysis. And, uh, um, but at the same time, I also know how limited it is, you know, to have three guests speaking about uh, a, a very important topic, topic in an hour. Uh, but still, I, 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 I think that uh, that, that, that uh, kind of level of perform performativity of, of, uh, of analysis, of thought, of, uh, mm. of, uh, of critique, of theory is, is still fundamental and important to me. So uh, even within the context of an art fair, and even more now, because I really challenge the idea that the form, the setting, the commercial setting of the, of the art fair uh, has so much evolved in the last, let's say, 10, 15 years that art fair compete with biennials. They compete with, you know, uh, big uh, museum shows. I mean, uh, certain, certain presentations at art fair are kind of museum quality. Mm -hmm. So... I, uh, I, I, and so the forms are blurring. That's what I want to get at. And uh, and uh, uh, you were you were talking earlier about uh, the format, like the traditional format, like we are sitting down here. Uh, but what would be the alternatives, Andros? I know you attended a very interesting conference this year. Uh, that had the yeah. kind of an experiential, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. it's, I mean, uh, 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 character to it of trying to exactly break uh, the, the, just you know, so, the just traditional Just so, so it's clear yeah. what she's referring yeah. to, I went to this thing called, I can't remember what it was called, it was in Montreal, I think it was called IC2, anyway, it was a big conference for sort of creative industry types, and um, it was highly experiential. Um, so there were various formats that were about as far away from this as you can imagine. So one of them was people had to sit around a huge table and they had to bake a cake together. But while they were baking this cake, they had a conversation. It's actually kind of really clever because you have this sort of distraction of the cake, but then people sort of opened up. And another one, which I thought was a little... Well, there were two other ones. One was... 
six, eight people sat in chairs in a circle, and above them was a round thing that looked like a giant lampshade. And when you got in your chair, you were foisted up in the air, <laughs> and with your legs dangling, and you had to have this conversation. You could only come down when you sort of had the conversation. There was another one. <laughs> and then there's one other one where they, um, uh, you had to sign up, and, and they, they locked you in a room. And until you came out with a solution to a question, they wouldn't let you out. So anyway, and those are some unusual formats. But I have to say, I think uh, in some ways quite inspirational. But I think you know, where, where, where some of the innovation is coming from is coming from artistic practice. I think mm -hmm. this is where we need to look to. Yeah. That this is, we need to look at the artists. There are artists out there who are working with this format as a form and trying to transform it mm -hmm. as a work of art. Who do think, you think of, for instance? Uh, I, um, Suzanne Lacey does that, you know, mm -hmm. where she creates these elaborate uh, performative um, gatherings, uh, but they're all based on talks, mm -hmm. whether it's using, you know, cars as a staging ground where people sit and have a conversation inside a car or, um, you know, um, blocking off a street and having a huge dinner for like a thousand people on the street, you know, all these things, I think they begin to sort of shift the, the, the sort of um, staged, I mean, it's a different kind of staging. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the staging is also, it's about accessibility. How do we make these platforms more accessible? Mm -hmm. How do we bring in more diverse voices to these conversations? Because they always seem to be locked in a very sort of limited and uh, an elitist discourse. Mm. So how do we kind of open that up mm. and allow these various different voices in to change the conversation? Mm. I, I think we should involve you even more because it's also about you. I mean, the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you have uh, any questions, I should have said it from the beginning that we don't do like the first talk and uh, I think really the, the audience is very much part of what we are talking about here. So feel free to, uh, to contribute. Is it on? Yes. Oh, that was really loud, I'm sorry. Um, so this is piggybacking a bit off of your question, but I'm just curious to know, um, and maybe this is a bit of an answer as well, but I, I'm curious to know how exactly the internet can be used in order to mimic this, I guess, as, as you mentioned, cafe style of conversation, because the reality is that there's geographical constraints that prevent these conversations from happening. I don't know if you all can tell from my accent, I'm not from here, I live in New York City, and with regards to the Raleigh Gallery, I was notified of that by way of social media and the fact that there's such a strong Nigerian network that lives in New York City and um, also um, alumni of Howard University. So, and to your point, I think that there's this performative nature of intellectualism that exists online that could be problematic if it excludes certain people from even entering the space. So I'm curious to know, like, how exactly can we refine the internet in order to make these conversations a bit more honest and inclusive of everyone who wants to participate? Well, um, what do, what's your take on that? I, I mean, I have a very mm. peculiar position to internet <laughs> when it comes to conversations because... I really think it's fine. I mean, you can follow a lot, but the conversation is a human thing. I mean, you need to see and hear the person. That's what I think. So, but what do you think? I mean, I, I think the internet is a tool <laughs> and it allows people to connect. And I think it's difficult to moderate what they talk about and mm. how they talk about it. 
So I feel, you know, I think one has to see it for what it is, but then to actually have the conversation, then you have to be, you have to, I feel, you have to have the, because then it becomes much more an intimate experience where you're actually able to articulate further your thoughts. Well, for, for many years, um, I, I just can speak of maybe a little bit to Art Basel conversations because I've watched it for the last 10 years as a participant. Uh, there have been various attempts to sort of harness this content, and I'm not sure we're there, there yet. Um, there are, uh, for example, at one point when Absolute was sponsoring the talks, there was a setup where by the end of each day there would be a distilled version of the talk with sort of a highlights that, because you know, you, you're barely capable of sitting through this hour, but if you were watching this on a screen, you would be tearing your hair out because you know, we have different levels of tolerance. Mm -hmm. So part of it is that as a live format, it's one thing, as a mediated format, it's another thing. But I agree with both of you. I, mean, I think we tend to sort of kick the can down the road when we think that somehow the internet will deliver on what the talks don't. Because the reality is, is to your point, is that too much of our arts discourse is hopelessly elitist and jargonistic and inside the bubble. So the very aspiration to take it online means we want to democratize it. But if we keep talking in these codes, Nobody's going to want to listen anyway. So I don't think the internet will find a solution. I think we need to get rid of the intellectual vacuousness that unfortunately has um, taken over a lot of the art world. And that if you make that a kind of generational project, starting with art schools, frankly, to sort of let's just have a decent, you know, I have a PhD. I don't think I've used a big word so far today. Um, it's okay. And then we can take it online, and people will listen, including young people, but not as long as we only speak in you know, five-syllable mm. words. Sorry. You want I, to I say something? I'm passionate yeah. about this issue. <laughs> Me too. We have a very um, strong online presence. Um, and I think it's, it's strong because we've sort of, again, I go back to the word simplified things a bit. Um, with the conversation, it happens uh, online, I think. Again, it's just about what, I guess, the institution or the organization or the fair is really trying to accomplish by having those conversations, right? And for us, we know that it's to make art accessible. And so if we find that a lot of our audience, the young people that we're trying to reach out to is online, then we will go online and we will speak in the language that they, um, they understand. That's what I think. What do you mean online? Is it kind of bringing content online, or is it kind of really having uh, fora and blogs that you interact online, or is it just an online presence where you put your content out? Is it an interaction online? It's an interaction to some degree. Uh -huh. um, we do put the contact, um, content online, and we get um, <coughs> feedback as well. Um, yeah, so it, it is an interaction. It's an engagement, I think. And you get a sense of what they think about the art or what they think about the artist. Um, it's not full-blown like we would have in this sort of setting. Mm -hmm. But it, to some extent, um, I think it, it gives the it gives whoever it is some sort of clarity and understanding of the sort of artistic work that is going on in Nigeria, for instance. Mm -hmm. And we get a lot of people, um, not just even in, within our local community, but just internationally that would 
you know, through that engagement, through what they're saying online, would sort of contact us and say, oh, I'm going to be in Lagos. The next. I, I get at least one email every maybe week or two about someone that's really interested in a Nigerian artist, so I'm going to be around, who can I visit? And it's, it, that wouldn't have happened if we, weren't, if we weren't sort of throwing that content online and making it easy for them to see, I think. Mm -hmm. Anybody else who would yeah. like to? Yes, please. Yes, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to ask, um, being as all four of you are experts, I just... You're experts, so I just wondered if you were to give the conversation some sort of direction, because we're talking a lot about a conversation that needs to take place, but to have an idea of what the conversation should look like and what, how we, as an audience, or one of your audiences, should frame the conversation, what sort of directions are, are, um, would you say your expectation uh, for the conversation should be? So do you want the conversation going one way or another? Because we keep saying the conversation, the conversation. <laughs> what is the conversation? Does there have to be a prescribed conversation That's about art? Is the problem not that there's a, the, people are trying to prescribe the conversation? Should it not be that you could just sort of be a part of it and walk away with your own opinion? Well... I don't want to be the hierarchy and that the moderator starts, but I have a, a strong opinion about that. Um, I always dreamt or wished or hoped that um, the conversations that I'm part of, be it as an organizer, moderator, or just uh, a member of, uh, of a panel or of it is uh, um, sort of drops the hierarchy in terms of, you know, the speakers and the audience. Uh, I, I, um, I live in a francophone context where the conversation is even more hierarchical, <laughs> where, I mean, the Q&A, you have to sign up for it you know, and there is a list that is taken and so on. So uh, when we started running public programs at Raw Material Company in Dakar, for instance, and having a whole series of uh, public talks and, and uh, presentations, so we broke down, for instance, all that, that uh, participants, the audience could just, you know, speak and, you know, participate in the in the conversation without any sort of uh, uh, hierarchy on the organization about it. And this is really what I, I, I always actually hope uh, uh, would happen within uh, uh, a setting like this. Uh, but at the same time, uh, when, you, when, you, when you stage something, uh, as, a, as a presentation, you also want to give the opportunity, I mean the time to the speakers uh, to, to say what they to share their knowledge, you know. And there is conversation and conversation. I mean, this is a panel. I mean, we are not having a one-on-one. -on -one. This is not a keynote. This is not, you know, an experiential thing. So I think it's it really varies a lot, I would say, mm. and uh, maybe we can get later. I, I actually would like to talk more about the format itself, mm. but uh, I think it varies a lot 
uh, it depends a lot on how the setting is and what the topic also is, you know. I mean, serious matters or conflictual matters, more pleasurable matters play out differently in, uh, uh, and what Andra said, humor is very helpful in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in nervous moments, you know. So I, I really think that it's uh, uh, ideally, uh, I would rather, you know, sit in circles, you know, even maybe sit on the floor uh, and, and, and sort of break the, the physical hierarchy. That, that sort of imposes itself from our, our the logistics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our institutions embed these expectations. I mean, mm. look at the architecture of this room, right? Mm. It's already set up in a certain way where uh, it's, 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 it's an asymmetrical relationship. I would say there's conversation with the lowercase c and conversation with the capital C. I think the, the, for me as an occasional moderator, uh, the minimum I, I hope is that we leave with one or two like practical, actionable ideas that maybe weren't in people's heads going in. So I actually, one of the things you always, every time I close down a conversation, I always insist on people actually providing one idea or solution. Uh, I think the larger one, the conversation of capital C, that's a tough one. Because I think, I think we all would like to be have the feeling, I don't know, maybe you guys have this, maybe, maybe it exists, of, of being part of a larger discourse where there are certain uh, shared parameters of where that conversation is in the art world or relative to us. And I frankly don't feel like we have that anymore. So it's very hard to move the goalpost or very hard to feel that you've, you've moved down the field because the field, what is the field anymore? So. We can have many panels on this subject, but I think that that would be the larger goal, is to mm -hmm. be in the room where, where you get that sense, let's say, on whatever subject, that you've managed to somehow get to the next place of understanding, a common understanding about some issue. And I, I feel very frustrated that that's a bit out of reach for us. Maybe relative to some African discourses, you have that feeling because things are nascent and the scene is tighter and smaller? I don't know. I'd be very curious, in fact, yeah. if, if you ever have that feeling of thinking together. I'm not sure I, I, I get that. Um, because I think, again, you know, in the spaces that I work in, there's always the, 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 the sort of very broad disparities that exist. So mm -hmm. it, depending on which spaces you, you, you're dealing with. So you sit, you'd be sitting and having, you think you're having one conversation here, but there's only two black people in the audience. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so how, what that conversation is to another one where I'm sitting in a shabin and everybody's talking and shouting about one of the issues that I was sitting on the other side. So it's a different kind of conversation too, mm -hmm. and it has mm -hmm. to do with the form uh, and the accessibility mm -hmm. um, and the language. I think language also plays a very important role because I think it's, it, 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 it communicates a different kind of not only knowledge but also aesthetic. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I think, yeah, when we talk about conversations, I think um, you know, it is true that there, there is different hierarchies. And, and the structures that we, we have these conversations have a huge impact in how our body language works, yeah. in the, the choice of words we use, and, and, and what we choose to disseminate. You know? And I think for me, like in this space, I feel like it's not about us talking to you all, but it's about trying to find this common ground mm -hmm. you know, that we all trying to figure out where do we meet, and where, not only where we meet, but where do we differ, so that we, 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 we try to figure out the differences and where we can begin to create relationships that work towards arriving at some common ground. There are two people here. Please, you have the mic. Okay. Um, hello. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I was wondering if you could speak to whether or not when you curate art, um, are you fueled by a passion of changing the narrative a little bit about your country? So Nigeria and South Africa in that regard? Because I do think that there is a certain idea still that as pervasive when people think about the, the countries of the continent. Of, there's a single narrative of we're dealing with humanitarian crisis and famine and hunger and all these negative things. So um, I think it still exists. I think social media helps a little bit in that regard, like multiple voices, different, different images. So I would love to hear, does that translate into the art that you select? Are you, are you fueled by that um, idea or that passion to help uh, yeah, change the narrative about Africa being one country that is poor <laughs> and uh, yeah, raged by war and, and all these other negative things we usually see in traditional media? Thank you. Great question. I think that's directly to two, to <laughs> both of you. Um, you know, Venice is a very good example of that because when we, it was our first, it was the first Nigerian pavilion. And most times when you hear about Nigeria in the press and the news, it's always sort of very negative, right? And so we thought to ourselves, we want to tell a very, you know, multi dimensional story. So, who are some of the artists that are creating at the height of their careers, right? Um, but also, what, what, are, what do we want them to say? What, are the, what is it like to be a Nigerian in this time? And so for us, um, one of the artists, Kweju Alatishi, for instance, had, did an installation called Flying Girls. You know, the theme of, the, of, of our pavilion was how about now? Um, so what is, what is it to be a Nigerian um, at this point in time? And you know, it's easy to see her installation as doing Nigeria a disservice, right? Because she's, she was really like, highlighting you know the child labor issues that we that we're dealing with the Boko Haram issues and all that you know at the same time the other installation that we had you know spoke to sort of the rich history of Nigerian art you know since the eight, um, late 19th century is when our art was carted away and for me that was good for me because I got we got as a pavilion to tell a very balanced story right and so we we have our issues as a nation but we still have you know the, the good part of uh, the good aspects as well. So for me, it's really telling a very balanced story um, that we're not perfect. We do have our issues, but then we're also, you know, we're not what you see um, in the press, so to say. Tell me. I, uh, you know, it's, it's a hard question. Well, not hard, but a difficult question for me to answer because um, changing the narrative, uh, the narrative is coming from the West. Mm -hmm. So, if I'm in the South, I'm not really trying to tell the West what to think about me. I'm trying to talk about my condition mm -hmm. in the South. Mm -hmm. The West is appropriating and selecting what they want to show. So 
it's not about the artists who are making the work. It's about how do you break that 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 that, that systematic um, you know way of communicating that's only focusing on the very negative aspects of, um, of of the continent. And so I I resist to try to create to curate the African continent. I curate I curate human conditions. You know that's what I'm interested in. Like what what are people feeling and thinking and working with. So. The problem is that how do I how do I keep that message clear so that it's not appropriated and then repurposed mm -hmm. for this other uh, interest? That's the struggle. Mm -hmm. There was yes, yes, you have it. Please. I have two questions within the context of conversation at the art fair. Um, one to Andres, what drives you? After so many Can years to continue, what drives you after so many years to continue going, and why do you continue going with this conversation? And to Tumelo, um, what are the two forms that you would, if you could choose two forms of conversation at next year's Cape Town Art Fair, because this was your first this year, what would those two forms be? If it's a formal one and an idealist, dreamlike form of conversation. Was a question I, 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 to you. I guess what, what drives yeah. I mean, you know, they invite me, they pay me, I do it. <laughs> it's not that complicated. No, but I, I, I um, you know, I, I'm an equal opportunity guy. I would, I, I would, I love going to places and have having conversations. So, um, but I think in the larger sense, I do, I do come out of, uh, you know, I. I I, I, I do believe that there is sort of a reason to have the conversation with the capital C. I would like to do that. Um, specifically, I'm usually called upon to moderate sort of museum director types of people. And I find it immensely edifying to, to be part of these things. And it, it often, uh, there have been many cases where I met people on a panel and they are still my friends. So it's just, it's become, it's one of those things that it become part of my life. I feel very blessed for it, but um, it, there's no grand design behind it, other than there's a there is a satisfaction, and and one one learns learns a lot when because you know you have to really get into the heads of people. It's sort of like being an editor, you know. So if you have a real conversation, then you're really paying attention. And I do think that um, in our society today, we we have these flashes, these moments, these Instagram moments. I mean, I love my Instagram, but I know it will be a three-second thing. I should mention that I do a kind of one thing that uh, hasn't, maybe you mentioned it, but I run a program uh, at the Metropolitan Museum called Global Museum Leaders Colloquium, which is a 10-day long conversation. I always feel it's sort of like my Marina Abramovich endurance uh, piece <laughs> because I moderate for 10 days, 14 museum directors. <laughs> and, um, and what I find, and they're all from different countries, and what I find so interesting is how long it takes to really get auto people to open up and how rare it is, even in today's world, where we're constantly talking about globalism, to actually be in the room with people who are from such different places, Africa, Asia, Latin America, and how rare those opportunities are to mm -hmm. really stop and really get into the heads of people. We're like not even close to starting a real conversation. Like if this is very nice and everything. It's a warm up. But, but, it's, <laughs> but, but it, we have to sort of 
mm-hmm. eat together, mm-hmm. drink together, etc. Like on the fifth day of that program, we actually have a psychiatrist come in. And people by then are really starting to open up. It's very interesting. But um, th- so there's there's deeper layers to go. Um, but I, I I do I do love how that opens relationships and ideas. We'll take yeah. He was going to answer two oh, things. Oh sorry. <laughs> sorry, I can't. Help right. It's okay. It's good to have some help. <laughs> yes. No, I think. I mean, I think. As as you said, and it I think goes back to your question about conversations, I think it's the level of conversation you want to have. And I think given the framework of the art fair, it's very difficult to actually go beyond just, for me at least, the first level. I would like to move beyond that, but I think the format doesn't really allow that kind of conversation to take place. And so then I have to think about how do I, um, how can I, you know, be in, inventive enough to attempt a conversation that might be provocative in one sense or another. So in a way, in, in sort of, almost in a way to like short circuit this long process that allows people to feel that they can finally have the, the kind of conversation that would be more uh, truthful. So I don't know, and I don't even know if that can be a conversation in, in a day, I'm, I'm not sure. But finding a way to do it would be what I would want to do. And I'm not sure yet, I haven't found the, the right, the right, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take one or two more, and then unfortunately, we'll have to start wrapping up this warming up. <laughs> Anybody? No. So, well, thank you so much for kind of, I think I, I totally agree with you, uh, uh, Andrat, when, when you say that uh, it takes so much time. And what we do, I mean, it takes so much time to really get to start like a real conversation and to, to, to have a, an environment that is safe for people to open up and to share and to really engage in. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I, I always feel like uh, the settings that we do these kind of uh, activities, and sometimes I even call them gigs, it's like a concert, you know, it's like a, a performance of, uh, of one hour. Um, it's just a, a kind of a appetizer, so to speak, to, for something that should continue either among the people you bring together for me, or for instance, uh, uh, putting panels together and is also not just to speak about something, but also to make these people meet and maybe trigger something uh, uh, among them for later and of course also uh, providing the opportunity for our audience uh, to to be exposed to the to the practice and thinking of uh, of the speakers. So I really, I mean, we didn't touch to everything that uh, I thought that we, we would do, but I think that uh, 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 we touched very fundamental points that 
the setting, the format, you know, uh, and uh, the audience, what does it bring and so on. And I really would like to thank you for that, for, for accepting to be here. I would not ask you to give one advice. <laughs> I think that would be difficult, but uh, it, was, uh, it was really great to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure.